Who told you you can eat my cookies? No! Put that cookie down! Now! Well, this is where we are. I'm the cookie now. Oh my gosh! We'll take a look at it. <laughs> it's indestructible. It's indescribable. Nothing can stop it. This is The Brian Suits Show. AM seventy KTTH. My my review of Masters of the Air. Does this does this sound like you've heard it before? This is the opening theme to Masters of the Air. This is going to be on every week. Kind of like you know, it's a thing. Band uh, by the way, Friday morning. It is a fully functional film producer. Rob is here for a uh, final final draft. Uh, Friday here on the 26th of January, uh, big football weekend this weekend. But if you're a fan of uh, Band Brothers or the Pacific, then <clears throat> the um, the rising the rising John Williams Horn is here to announce. We're here to bomb the crap out of you, Hitler. You know what I'm saying? If you, I like liberated French horns. Take that, Hitler. So if you AI'd the Pacific and Band of Brothers, you would you would get this. And I mean, and this is one of, that was one of the things. Besides, feel free to fast forward through at least seven of the nine minutes of the opening theme. Not kidding. Um, on on that one, um, uh, you will, and it doesn't advance the story. And in fact, but kind of like Band of Brothers in the Pacific, it gives away some some spoilers you know, in in like future episodes and stuff. Now, here's the thing: this is part of the Spielbergization of World War II. The depressing reality. Uh, about Masters of the Air. If you've read the book, and I can't recommend the book and a spare four months uh, highly enough, but if you were to do it realistically, there would not be... There, there, if you have a cast of 80 guys uh, for episode one, there would be three originals for episode eight. I mean, it, it was extraordinarily deadly. <clears throat> and you, you don't get attached to... Uh, to any, I would just say heads up, um, English girls don't marry these guys. Not before their final mission. You know the whole thing, or you, you're dooming them. Um, and in in the writing, in the reading of the book, um, and and the watching of the show, which I did watch the pilot last night at one a.m., at least half of it. <clears throat> um, you don't get attached to anyone. You don't pull for anyone to make it through unless it's Jimmy Stewart. Because you do find out in the book Masters of the Air, because Jimmy Stewart was loath to talk about his experience in World War II. And again, you know, he wasn't Pat Tillman. He didn't wait for anyone to attack us. Jimmy Stewart joined the Army Air Corps a year before Pearl Harbor. He put his career imagine imagine Brad Pitt disappearing one day, you know, years ago, saying, I've had up to here with this uh, bin Laden and this here Islam or whatever, right? But he didn't do that and he just made movies about it and the whole thing. Which, yeah, that's fine. It's a volunteer force. But Jimmy Stewart said, take me, I'm a pilot, and let me bomb somebody. And and so he was he personally displayed incredible courage by just waking up and getting in the plane. Um, because lots of guys who talked a big game, 
uh, over here, stateside. Well, they got to England, and they and they saw planes coming back, dr- literally dripping blood, and from wounded crew members on board. They said, you know, the crap got real, and <clears throat> um, and that's not going to be part of the uh, Spielbergization of World War II and the air war. But anyway. It is uh, very good, but like I say, it's it's it felt so formulaic. It felt like you maybe saw. Wait, didn't I see this in uh, Memphis Bell? Again, not the same effects. the The effects in Masters of the Air are phenomenal. Um, the scene where they they land in Greenland with near gale force winds is really amazing. Um, but <clears throat> and and also. The ways Americans died during the daytime bombing at 25,000 feet or 20,000 feet, where it was 50 below outside, and the planes were not pressurized. Boeing did not make a pressurized product uh, down there uh, at the plant when B-17s came rolling off the uh, the assembly line. Um, it, it was a bad way to go. No matter what you know, good honorable infantry, infantrymen thought about those fancy Dan's, and their leather jackets and their mustaches that are not regulation, the whole thing. You were, there were loads and loads and loads of bomber guys that were like, I wish I was an infantryman. This dying up here sucks. It, uh, getting blowed up like this sucks. Um, and on some of the missions they went to, like one third of the guys blew up over the target. And, you know, and they come back, <clears throat> there's a empty cot, and it was as, as um, objective as bag up their stuff bag up their personal gear they had on them, blood and all, and then get a new guy in that cot. I mean, we, we were cranking out air crew here in the continental United States. If, okay, if you're if you're smart enough, you're a lucky guy, you want to be a pilot, you can go do that. Um, if you wound up in, in bombers, um, the odds were absolutely against you. And morale was a big issue, and they kept extending. Originally, it was like 20, you had to do 18 missions or 28 missions, something like that. They kept extending it because it was so hard to fill, to backfill uh, 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 the crew positions. But uh, any, anyway, it's really good. And the opening theme is very evocative. They do need to remove the music, though. That background music is so maudlin and sentimental. It just kind of takes away the edge, right? But these 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 poor guys put down their lives. Every one of them's from New York. Again, it's another series where much of it is filmed in England. So, to the English, apparently, you might be from Wyoming, but uh, yeah, you sound like this. I'll see you up in Gillette for the rodeo. I'm gonna kick that bull's ass this year. Not like I did at Sheridan, you know, or whatever. Just like the crew movie that that. Um, Clooney did on uh, on that, but I but I I'll, I I'll, I'll work on it. But I I call it the Spielbergization of World War II, and a lot of it has to do with um, Tom Hanks' own personal I, I gotta say twisted knowledge of history. Um, he was the power behind the Pacific, and he 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 put a lot of stuff down to something he didn't understand, um, and he he portrayed it as this. Uh, Americans dehumanizing the Japanese, not understanding that in the Philippines, the Japanese aren't really anyone's favorite uh, nation or occupier uh, and all that, primarily because of the Japanese dehumanization of everybody, not them. Uh, and it's a different different war, but it was, I, you know, in my book, mischaracterized. But uh, but it's all washed away from this music. Oh, it's really, really swelling. 
by in slow motion and the whole thing. Also, <clears throat> observation, technical observation as a radio guy. I'm not going to play it. I'll, I'll find some, but there's a couple characters. The main character, Austin Butler, he was Elvis in that interminable three-hour Elvis movie that I didn't see. And it didn't include Fat Elvis. I got to go three hours. It's now. actually a really good movie. Is really. it really? But yeah, how, it how really do you is. not have Fat Elvis in that? And Tom Hanks was Colonel Parker. He cast himself in that. And that's the Hanksization of, of Elvis. But it's that. Um, I, I don't know. I wasn't alive in 1943. I Some of my favorite movies, like His Girl Friday, were from the late 30s and 40s. I don't... I don't know. I have no idea what the heck that was. Exactly. <laughs> Welcome to the first five minutes of Masters of the Air. And, and try mumbling over this. Need 40% flaps. <laughs> I mean, they're flying. Talking technical stuff. They're landing a B-17, <clears throat> the legendary flying fortress of uh, Seattle fame. And the stick, the yoke, the control yoke actually said Boeing from top to bottom. B-O-E-I-N. -B -O uh, Fred's machine shop. <laughs> it's really funny. It just said it. But, I mean, it's tense. The plane is landing in an intense crosswind. Amazing special effects. And, there, and, and by the way, the... It was a four-engine heavy bomber with very loud uh, um, uh, twin radial engines. I mean, an astounding—you don't hear the sound anymore, you know, unless you go to Museum of Flight or something, and 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 someone sews four P-51s together or whatever. But you just—you don't hear that sound anymore. But when you do hear the sound, and the character is giving instructions to his co-pilot. Forty percent flaps. Did you say four percent? Turn the turn the soundtrack down, pilot. I said forty percent flaps. You said gear down? Not no, no gear down. Now we'll, we'll crash in the ocean. We'll bash in the ocean. <clears throat> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Technical problems that I had. With, uh, and also, by the way, then you got to turn it way up at 1 a.m. Hey, it's a school night, uh, Apple TV. Uh, so I, I, now, now I hope they crash. <laughs> and so, no, I don't, not really. I want to beat Hitler and, and Google Hitler beforehand because they bomb him. They bomb Germany. And, and, and that's the other thing that, that sort of self-conscious about. World War II was corny. It really was corny. People really said, let's get those Nazis. They said, let's get the Germans and, and stuff like that. And I didn't notice the, the detail, which is very, very much not like me. But there's an annoying thing going on where, like, Christopher Nolan and Dunkirk made sure that the German planes did not have swastikas on them. Right. Well, you know what? Here, here's, here's the truth. Here's, here's how World War II worked, Hollywood. Hitler was bad. He was in charge, and he said, "You know, it's a good luck. It's a good luck symbol. It's a swastika. You know, it's from uh, uh, ancient Hinduism. It's a mystical symbol. We've adopted it. Uh, make sure it's it's going the right way. Don't have it backwards. But let's put swastikas on on all the aircraft." <clears throat> and so Goering said, "Great idea, number one. All right, number two, um, uh, put the swastikas on all the aircraft. There were swastikas on all the Nazi planes. There were swastikas on all the tanks." 
There were swastikas on their belt buckles. FFS, okay? Um, it's not a sin to deny it, but you're covering up history. When you take that away, you're not glorifying Nazism by accurately, you, you're, you're the one making a World War II movie or a World War II series. So I haven't noticed, I gotta say, I'm gonna be really, really, really let down if that has caught up, but, but, I, but if political correctness has caught up to anyone, caught it, uh, held him down and beaten him with the political correct stick, it's Tom Hanks. Uh, I, I think. But um, anyway, Spielberg's son is in it because obviously you're going to call that actor back. Uh, all right. Anyone else for uh, number two pilot? Well, uh, just this, this one. Sawyer. First name is Sawyer. Okay. We're not hiring anyone named Sawyer. Well, his last name is Spielberg. Do you think for a second there might be? <laughs> Give me the phone. So anyway, someone named Sawyer Spielberg is a guy in leather jacket with pencil thin mustache. Mumbling into his mumbling his lines. Are, are you serious? This is absolutely correct. He's wow. he's in he's in multiple episodes, so he lives for a while. But don't get attached to Sawyer Spielberg. He's because um <clears throat> coach's kid. <laughs> yeah, totally coach's kid. Totally Nick Saban's grandson on this one. Spielberg made the second horrible the the horrible Indiana Jones movie Temple of Doom just so he can meet Kate Capshaw. And and put his uh, secret magic power, I'm rich, uh, into her and marry her. So he, so Spielberg met Kate Capshaw because she was in that horrible movie, and she was tr so so troubled that that he held her. Uh, they coupled and cranked out several Spielbergs. One of them is Sawyer, and just imagine. But where's the time gone since horrible, uh, um, horrible Harrison Ford, and he's in the he's in the thing. So it's it's like Tom Hanks' son being in Greyhound, right? Which right. um, which by the way, still one I love I love a good sub chase movie. Greyhound's terrific. It is, but it, the it, it, the source material, C.S. Forrester's The Good Shepherd is exceptional. If you have two hours to sit down and read a great novel, uh, from start to finish, masterfully uh, written by a, a, a tremendous history writer named C.S. Forrester, not his real name, a Brit who liked this country, who came here in World War II uh, to advance, I mean, prior to America's entry to help uh, the British, uh, you know, with their press here in the U.S., who, who talked Roald Dahl into being a writer. There would be no fantastic Mr. Fox or James and the Giant Peach or Wonka if not for C.S. Forrester. So Forrester winds up uh, becoming an American, becoming uh, the head of the history department at Cal Berkeley, and you can see his house uh, if if you it's marked. It's a historical marker in Berkeley. Uh, so anyway, read read The Good Shepherd. How many tangents is that today? Uh, way too many to count. And then by May of 1943, Brian had deployed the co-pilot, deployed the, the tangents. What was that pilot? The, the spangents. I said deploy the tangents. Let's get that Hitler. So anyway, um, a check-in of your texting coming up. Uh, by the way, it's Friday. You should have some big ones built up. Uh, so time to let loose, 800-465-8770. I'm not proud of today's uh, weekend. Usually the weekend, I mean, the end of the week montage is better than this, but I'll let you all judge. There are very powerful people that want to keep you out. I know they do. This is about defeating Trump. And I think that's a bad, bad thing for our country. We have infrastructure, we have infrastructure year.
the state of Israel shall take all measures within its power to prevent and punish. From the river to the sea, Palestine needs to be free from the occupation, that, what which is, is illegal. What's the river? Um, uh, <laughs> I forgot the river's That he doesn't want us to solve the border problem because he wants to blame uh, Biden for it is... Uh, That's why our new slogan is, Alaska Airlines, you didn't die and you got a cool story. Now, if I were to redo this, uh, I would add Fred's Machine this Shop. This is Boeing. This is not Fred's Machine Shop. That's why I'd be yelling in the B-17 as we're landing in Greenland. Because they keep calling it the fort. Um, and, 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 and that's the other thing I, I'm going to say, that, that the, the pre-scroll on Band of Brothers is um, there's these things called parachutes. There was this guy named Hitler. There was a thing called World War II. People strap parachutes on to go kick Hitler's ass, okay? Okay, there was a little more to it than that, and it did a great job. Plus, <clears throat> they they had the luxury uh, in 1999 of having living veterans who were lucid, you know, who told compelling stories. And, and so the setup in 2000, you know, it was pretty easy. Um, they, I don't think they even tried that with the Pacific because by then, you know, the the chaps were uh, were bumping off and all thing. They they don't even. My problem with Masters of the Air is, uh, pick up. There's several good books. Um, James Holland's The Big Week, uh, about a, a very actual week uh, uh, from the Eighth Air Force in Europe. But the the series, and I think in a good historical series, it should give you just enough, I mean, to scratch the surface, just enough context to get what's going on. And I mean, honestly, in this day and age, when people uh, think that the Holocaust was fake and that, the you know, at least the Nazis uh, built great highways and all that, give me some heads up on this. But the thing jumps into 1943 when we're on the eve of deploying with a bunch of uh, Male models in leather jackets, you know, flying B-17, flying some kind of plane or something. And so if you don't know any of that, do yourself a favor before you even um, clap your clap your peepers on the thing. Uh, just Wikipedia, 8th Air Force or uh, Bomber War or whatever. It's, it's so complex, very, very complex. And so... <clears throat> and that's what, one, of the, one of the very complex parts about it is, okay... One of the simple parts is, okay, we were the good guys. Do the good guys get to throw away the rule book to win the war when the enemy are the Nazis? The answer, yes. When the enemy are trying to uh, eradicate you, the answer, yes. Okay. That being said, um, the British and us, at the end of the war, by the end of the war, were flat out bombing civilians for the purpose of killing them. That's that. That's the truth. Okay. Um, we, we hit it behind, well, uh, yeah, we were trying to hit a ball bearing factory. That was our genius plan was everything needs ball bearings, man. Tanks, U-boats, it all needs ball bearings, bro. So let's bomb the ball bearing factory. Well, oddly enough, the Germans had thought of that too. And that was a bad scene both times we did it. And the head of British Bomber Command said, y you know what, Tiger Tank, U-boat, they, they all use ball bearings. You know what they all use? They need human beings to build them. And the human beings live around the factories. Let's bomb the living crap out of them. And <clears throat> so we did. And 
And that was the thing. You know, the, the Germans couldn't be everywhere. And then um, don't even start me on uh, Japan. I mean, being a bottom line, we get to write the history because we won. And the losers, well, too bad you violated the war, uh, the laws of war. I guess you'll hang. And so they did. It's not like the Germans had a side or something. You know, it's not like they had a point of view in, in Japan. <clears throat> you know, well, to be fair, we're much better people than the Vietnamese or the Filipinos. That wouldn't have worked so well. But uh, anyway, like I say, how many disclaimers do I have here so far? I, I would say educate yourself a little bit. It'll, it'll benefit you. And I, and I think this is a once a week. This isn't a binge watch, I believe. Probably, probably best because I, I wouldn't get out of my underwear a weekend long. Um, but anyway, I, I'll continue to give you my impressions. And you can't fit all the political correctness into one into eight episodes. And there wasn't a hell of a lot of that back in the old whiskey whiskey deuce. But uh, it sure looks good. Um, and 800-465-8770 will uh, wrap up the week with a bang, I promise you. And a th soaring theme as we do the checking of your texting right after this, same 770 KTTH. Some somebody KTTH Brian suits here. Well, we only have one more uh, one more break to get the the bumpers right. But I would have gone with Out of Touch by the Stones if we're going to go to that album. I'm um, I'm sorry. I would have gone with the Out of Touch. But I'm the I'm the great bumper killer. I'm the mood killer in all things in in music and text, uh, in, in movies. For instance, I'll, uh, one of my all time favorite songs, The Laws. There she goes. It's a pretty great one. And when it kicks in, it's terrific. So make sure you get that. Um, so there you go. Sorry, my little punchline <laughs> didn't 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 quite work. But uh, I can I can do it in movies too. I can I can I can equally uh, kill a mood uh, in a movie. Order that Santiago wasn't to be touched. And why did he have to be transferred? Watch just watch what I do here, Colonel. Lieutenant Kendrick ordered the code red, didn't he? Because that's what you told Lieutenant Kendrick to do. Object! And when it went bad, you cut these guys loose! Your Honor, you had markers inside a bony transfer. Your Honor, you doctored the logbook. Damn it, Captain! You coerced the doctor. Consider yourself in contempt. Colonel Jessup, did you order the code red? You don't have to answer that question. I'll answer the question. Well, I wonder what the answer is. Well, anyway, you should find that out somewhere else. Anyway, a checking of your texting is called for. And and by the way, here's a little heads up. Um... Not all of your relatives' war stories are, are factually accurate, okay? Sometimes your grandpa stretches the truth. And here, the funny thing about oral history is <clears throat> um, in World War II, much was taken. I mean, literally, well, uh, one of the things about uh, Band of Brothers was a lot of it was based on on oral history taken in the field. Like the the in the famous episode 2 the when lieutenant winters uh, leads the assault on the four german on 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 hitler's artillery that was debriefed like a week later i mean it was fresh in the memory if you if you went to him 50 years later he'd say ah oh, there are like battleships or something you know and that's a, that's the thing um and so oftentimes uh, your kindly gray-haired grandpa has no idea what he's talking about and then then the problem is you pass the story on to ktth's brian 
And KTTH's Brian says, yeah, but the first Cav was the uh, on the other side of the world from the Battle of the Bulge. And then you look at me like I'm the bad guy. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm I'm correcting your your war story on that. Anyway, so so there's so there's that. And I mean, and I, I'm on a personal level. My grandpa used to. I I was convinced that my grandpa lost his right index finger to a Heine to the Kaiser himself uh, in World War One. He he uh, and he lost his index finger in the old whiskey whiskey one in World War One. Because he was my kindly grandpa, and he came out to Hawaii to see us and the whole thing. And he and he told me that, and I'm eight, and I'm not going to say, that's a, that's a bunch of crap, McLeod. You know, I didn't do that. I thought, whoa, he lost his finger because he held it up over a trench, and the Kaiser himself shot it off with a hunting rifle or whatever. So then years and years and years later, uh, Grandpa's dead. Brian's researching Grandpa's war record. Turns out it's amazing. But it he enlisted with a amputated right index finger. It's I literally have his enlistment papers and it says physical abnormalities. <clears throat> it says unusually handsome family trait, right index finger amputated. He enlisted without a trigger finger, without that right trigger finger, well, the index finger. And I was crushed and, uh, and I, I, uh, I, I I was able to uh, soothe my nerves in the classic way and the whole thing, but but anyway, I'm 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 just saying, I'm I'm just saying you're you're GD right it in. You want answers? I do. So anyway, and Grandpa didn't answer me yet. So anyway, to the uh, text we go. Um, <clears throat> Brian, a veteran relative was jailed during World War II because he requested flight school to pilot the B-29. No one was supposed to know it existed, and he was charged with being a spy. He eventually was made a machine gunner, quite a step down, and was severely wounded, uh, holding off the Hun in the Battle of the Bulge. Uh, okay. Uh, well, a couple things. Uh, I mean, <clears throat> the B-29 was not to be talked about, but it was kind of hard to hide. What was the most expensive program in all of World War II? Was it the Manhattan Project? No. Fun fact, it was actually the B-29. But it was kind of hard, hard to hide that aluminum cloud taking off from Boeing Field by 1943. Though the original ones were painted all, all drab because that was part of a deception plan to make that uh, Hitler think that they were coming to Europe. But the B-29 was always designed uh, to bomb Japan from whatever island, you know, we could lose 10,000 Marines on and call it Tinian or Guam or whatever. But anyway, so I, I'm not going to shoot your relative story down i'm just gonna say lots of people knew about the b29 you just didn't you know buy a billboard and say i want to pilot a b29 it, it it had a name i mean everybody knew about it i'm just saying uh good story um uh sir says uh you know this is why we curate them during the commercial break uh the whole so i married an axe murderer soundtrack is perfection correct uh, 949 area code and it opens up with uh, There She Goes by The Laws, and it ends with um, another cover of There She Goes. I like this one. I've always heard of American paratroopers in World War II. By the way, 949 asks, uh, but did the Germans ever parachute into a battle? Yes. I, and, and it, it, went, it was so disastrous, Hitler stopped it. It was when they took Crete, right? And, and, and uh, famous loser Max Schmeling. The guy that Joe Lewis knocked out, proving American superiority to the Hun and the Third Reich. When when Joe Lewis knocked out Max Schmeling, 
Um, you know, he, he joined the war effort a few years later. Max Schmeling parachuted into Crete. And the, the Germans lost a, a third of their paratroopers. And Hitler was so shocked at the casualties, uh, he called Goering over. Because the paratroopers in Germany were part of the Air Force. <laughs> Good plan. Um, and called Goering and he said, hey, look, dangling Germans under these parachutes so that the Tommies can shoot them. Bad plan. It's a bad plan, Broheim. And Goering said, but we won. And Hitler said, but at what cost? I will not tolerate this parachute thing uh, evermore. So the German paratroopers fought as infantry, as leg infantry for the rest of the war. So there, so there's, so yes. And by the way, for the record, the Japanese did too. Just not, they, the Japanese were never on the counterattack, so they never had a chance. That's a whole lot of World War II history right there. Uh, listen to you through the app in Southern California. It's a 310. Good for you. Um, here's a long one. I don't want to curate it live on the air. Uh, Soko Grandma, da, 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 da. have you read The Mysterious Case of Rudolph Diesel? Uh, yeah, that guy, Amazing Man, Crazy Story. That is that is true. Crazy Story and an Amazing Man. Um, I got one. Uh, go ahead. Shoot. <laughs> 425 says, Brian, my work... My wife works for DCYF. She says laws like HB 12, uh, 1227 are cyclical. They'll get passed. Kids will inevitably die. Then they'll repeal it. Wait a few years and try again. I if- know. I, the good news is they're already on repealing it, and the sponsor can't even defend it anymore uh, accurately or honestly. And for the record, I did uh, schedule an interview for today. She passed on 7.30 a.m., but she said yes to pre-tape. And I, 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 I went to it. Uh, Googling informs that swastikas were used on aircraft uh, but, uh, uh, by the order of Gehring. However, tanks did not have them painted on as standard markings. They used the German uh, Darren Cross insignia. Uh, second, the, uh, anyway, well, I, they, and by the way, on, on U-boats, because no matter what we say about, well, they weren't all Nazis, <clears throat> that's a myth, because guess what? They were all Nazis. The Germans didn't need to be told to paint swastikas on the conning tower of their Untersee Buten um, because they they liked the Nazis. And th- there was no such thing. There's all these popular myths after the war. You know, Rommel was a reluctant Nazi. No, he was not. No, he was not. He was Hitler's personal bodyguard commander for a while. Hitler thought, ah, these Nazis are swell. The guy that tried to blow up Hitler. When they were rolling across Poland and then France, he was all about it. He was like, give me some of that Nazi stuff and all that. Von Stauffenberg was a dyed-in-the-wool Nazi. It was only after the war <clears throat> that we had to undemonize the Germans. Like, uh, sorry, there was a song written during World War II about uh, trying, to, trying to shout down English people saying, let's not dehumanize them. Oh, no, they did a fine job by themselves. Anyway, uh, back in the second AM, episode of 70K TTH. I'm 770 KTGH, Brian Suits here. Uh, how you doing, everybody? I like it. Uh, yeah, Google it. Um, <clears throat> out of touch by the Rolling Stones. You don't know what's going on. 
Great, great song. Used at a great moment in a great movie. Uh, once a time uh, in Hollywood. All right, time, time to wrap things up in the week in it with a nice old bow. A U.S. secretly alerted Iran ahead of Islamic State terrorist attack. This is either true or it's planted disinformation. Either way, I shall bring this to your attention. And, you know, keep in mind, the Iranians, again, shooting an anti-ship missile at the USS Kearney in the, the Red Sea. The USS Kearney is currently, last count I saw was like they're 38 and 0 against uh, Iranian any ship missiles. Maybe go back to the drawing board on those. But uh, anyway, <clears throat> uh, the U.S. secretly warned Iran that Islamic st- that the Islamic State was preparing to carry out the terrorist attack earlier this month that killed more than 80 Iranians in a pair of coordinated suicide bombings. The confidential alert came after the U.S. acquired intelligence that is the Islamic State's affiliate in Afghanistan, ISIS Khorasan, known as ISIS-K, because Khorasan is the uh, chronic term for that entire region. From your your Iraq to your Iran to your Afghanistan, uh, anyway that they were planning on attacking Iran and and ISIS again for the if you're uh, keeping score at home uh, they're the Sunni guys the Sunni people that want to kill you um, Iran are the Shia guys that want to kill you uh, but uh, but Islam is a peaceful religion so don't worry about it I'm probably lying American officials said the information passed to Iran was specific enough about the location and sufficiently timely that it might have provide, proved useful to Tehran in thwarting the attack on January 3rd or at least mitigating the casualty toll. Uh, and remember, we had uh, one of the victims of the Iranian um, uh, revenge when they fired ballistic missiles at ISIS in Syria. None of them hit anything or killed anybody. And then the one that was fired at Erbil in, in Kurdistan killed a, uh, a very strong American ally and uh, head of the... Uh, Kurdish Peshmerga fighters that have lost a lot of guys for this, you know, for this country. Uh, it was a an employer of a friend of mine. We had uh, former Delta Force guy Tom on to talk about that. And so <clears throat> that's either a really crappy way to say thank you or this entire story in the Wall Street Journal today um, might be a counter-information uh, drop uh, by the, by us uh, Iran failed to prevent the suicide bombings in the southeastern town of Kerman, uh, which targeted a crowd around uh, 80 killed. Uh, prior to ISIS's terrorist attack, this is what uh, the, the source uh, said, uh, U.S. officials said, using an acronym for the Islamic State, ISIS, uh, on condition of anonymity. Prior to ISIS ter- terrorist attack on January 3rd, 2024 in Kerman, the U.S. government provided Iran with a private warning that there was a terrorist threat within Iranian borders. Um, I hope it was more specific uh, than that, but then again, this is what leads me to believe that maybe this might be disinformation, that this never happened. The U.S. government followed a longstanding duty-to-warn policy that has been implemented across administrations to warn governments against potential lethal threats. We provide these warnings in part because we do not want to see innocent lives lost in terror attacks. And this was, if it did happen, it was passed on in Qatar to uh, Iranian sources the IRGC, the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, if it was passed on to them, they probably crowded the square with more people than had to be there because they make uh, they make dead bodies. That's it's the same revenue model as Hamas and Hezbollah. Uh, they get paid when you get dead. Okay, so there's that, and it gave them an excuse to uh, test more missiles and maybe kill some Americans that are bill. Um, and the whole thing. So anyway, that's the Wall Street Journal claiming that we're claiming that we warned Iran. Now, this, 
the story may be the audience may be Iranians because uh, Iranian telegram channels, uh, Iranian resistance telegram channels are not blocked uh, in in Iran. They try to, but it doesn't work because telegrams run by Russians and uh, the Russians won't give them the the keys of the kingdom to. Um, uh, to block Telegram, so Telegram messages get through to people in Iran, uh, and so if they, it's so if you found out, uh, for instance, that uh, you know if it turned out that I'm right that FDR knew about Pearl Harbor, but he knew he had to have it happen because this country had to be in the war, or uh, the myth that Bush knew about 9/11, you'd be pretty mad, wouldn't you? And maybe you'd be a psycho that believes that uh, that Rosie O'Donnell is a rational person uh, or something. Um, all right. I, I got to say the, my one takeaway besides ruining, uh, uh, out of touch, um, is I think I'm onto something uh, about, because the revelation, the white house is now winning the narrative and they're getting the Mitt Romney's of the world and others, other senators that don't like Trump to point out that Trump likes the campaign issue of the border. If that goes away, uh, his strongest argument against Biden, most obvious visual argument against Biden goes away. I don't think it does, but most people from Maine to San Diego want this taken care of because what you're seeing is a uh, unmitigated disaster. Well, we want to mitigate it. And the idea that Trump is pulling Republican strings in Congress and they're not going to vote for the deal that's on the table, um, I, I, ha I think I have a countermeasure, but it's leading to things like this. Uh, the White House... Uh, green lighting Mitt Romney and others to denounce what's going on. They don't know how a bill becomes law. Go back to Schoolhouse Rock. If we don't take. This is Tillis from Oklahoma being condescending. It is immoral for me to think you look the other way because you think this is the linchpin for President Trump to win. I do not want to be a part of a history that fails, uh, fails democracy, and that's a failure if we don't find a way to fund Ukraine and Israel. And this is a untrammeled uh, senator who gets reelected. I, you know, I, the, the outrage that he displays on something that he absolutely understands is and uh, is only outdone by Mitt the Romney. I think the border is a very important issue for uh, Donald Trump, uh, and the fact that he would communicate to uh, Republican senators and Congress people that he doesn't want us to solve the border problem because he wants to blame uh, Biden for it is uh, is really appalling. Oh, he's appalled is what he is. And here's my countermeasure. Here's my advice to Trump would be uh, to put something on True Social today. I didn't know this, but, but Trump calls Mitt Romney <laughs> Pierre Delecto. Pierre Delecto. That's great. That's great. So anyway, tell... Republicans that they will indicate that they will pass this Democrat deal and then watch them all run for cover and vote no on it. And then then you win the issue. There you go. QED, bro. Pierre Delecto. Um, so, and, and you'll be able to solve the border problem because he wants to blame uh, Biden for it is uh, is really appalling. That's what Admiral Akbar would say. It's a trap. Um, so uh, anyway, or just say that out loud. You're you're trapping me. Uh, into taking away this this disaster that's Biden caused, uh, and that's that. What time do I have to be out? Fifty-five. Oh, fifty-five even. Okay. Um, oh, look at that. I got nineteen more seconds. Well, 
Uh, all right, here's the sponsor of the but to say uh, that, give give babies back to uh, addicts until they're dead bill. But to say that that the excuse for not removing a child is that law that never took that responsibility away from them, I think is uh, uh, going way too far. That's a by the way, that's called a straw man. The the responsibility still lies with DCYS or DCYF CPS. Uh, to separate kids from abusive parents, okay? That still exists. Just that you took away one of the arrows in their quiver. One of them was drug addiction because you made it a ethnic, uh, a, a ethnic and financial issue. I don't care how poor the parents are or what skin color. They can be corduroy or paisley. I don't care. Kids shouldn't be in the custody of fentanyl addicts because fentanyl addicts are in love with fentanyl more than their babies. Believe it. If you If you don't get that then you don't get it uh, back in back in uh, two days and then some hours uh with uh, producer rob see you back here monday on the brian suit show am 770 ktth